Sometimes Sunday mornings just don't seem like enough, you know? It's just good. It's really good. Before I jump in, I hear, uh, I hear we have an anniversary this morning, so Dan and Sherry, happy 46? 46! That, that is remarkable. A whole lot of... Uh, a whole lot of love and a whole lot of uh, perseverance, we should say, right? And uh, thank you for your example. Thank you all for your love and grace. There we go. That works. Thank you. Good, good. All right, so I want to encourage us this morning, as we jump back into our Bibles, as we talk about soul care, I want to encourage us to really think a little outside the box this morning, if I can. Most of us probably in our American journey and our journey of life feel pretty thankful that we have what we have, that we live where we live. Thankful for the privileges, for the freedoms, for the opportunities we have. And yet, as I watch American life, really modern life, not just American life. It sure seems to me like we're overextended, overcommitted, I and mean, maybe undercommitted in some things, overcommitted in others, overwhelmed at times, under-energized, at times under-enthused, Today, I want to talk about a spiritual habit that can really help us with this. One that we think we understand the Bible about, but maybe we do and maybe we don't. It's actually found, and I'm just going to jump right in, and I'm going to tell you, man, there's like five outlines on the outline today. So we're just going to fly through some of this, all right? So buckle up, read with me, Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, you would be familiar perhaps enough with your Bible to know that Exodus chapter 20 contains what we were commonly referred to as the Ten Commandments. I'm going to read for you from the Fourth Commandment. This is what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So most of us, if I say, what does the word Sabbath mean? We would say it means to rest. Wouldn't most of us say that? That's not actually what it means. It means to stop. To cease. To desist. And on it, you shall not do any work. Now, when you hear the word work, you hear the word job. Work and job are two different things. 
Unemployed people still work. Stay-at-home moms still work. In fact, in a lot of cases, they do more work than the stay-on-the-job job. On it, you shall not do any work, either you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male nor female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. And I want you to realize that God's scope of care in this fourth commandment is beyond just the Hebrew people themselves. It extends to their animals. It extends to their servants, not that I am for slavery. It extends to those living among them who are not of them. When we read the Sabbath concepts in the rest of Scripture, you find out it extends even to the land. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day, and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now this is a clear reference back to the beginning. right? This is a clear reference back to Genesis 1. In fact, Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. You remember this? Do you remember the day, which day of creation it was that God created man and woman? Sixth day, that is absolutely correct. This is day six. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant. You've got to remember this. God was providing for Adam and Eve. He was giving them work to do. You might note this is before sin entered into the world. Verse 31 says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So catch a couple of things here. One, Adam and Eve were created on day six. And two, catch that there was evening and morning the first day. Hebrew days begin at sundown, not sunup, not, not midnight. Sundown. That actually will play into something we talk about in a minute. Verse 2, or chapter 2, says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, and by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, again, just note, this is not God's job, nor is it his job. God finished his work, not his job. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. He made it other. He made it separate. And this is what holy means. There's ordinary, and there's something that's different than ordinary. He took it and separated it from the ordinary and made it different. 
So this fourth commandment is interesting to me because of all the Ten Commandments, it's the one we think we really don't have to abide by anymore, quite honestly. Right? In fact, I'll make a good biblical argument this morning that what the Sabbath pointed to is an ultimate rest found in salvation in Jesus Christ. Colossians is going to tell us that. And so we'll read our Bibles and go, well, this isn't applicable to Christians today because it's fulfilled in Christ. As though Christ didn't also fulfill to honor your father and mother. As though he didn't also fulfill not lying, and not stealing, and not murdering. It's just interesting to me because this is the one we discount the most. And yet if you look at modern life, we probably struggle with the implications of ignoring this commandment as much easily as any of the other ten. We feel the feel the pull for more work, more money, hence more bills, more promotion, more achievement, more accomplishment. And at some level, the real question before me is, will work drive my life? Is that where I'm going to find my identity? Or will worship drive my life? So let's dig in. I think we really have to ask two questions, and I'm going to sit for at least a little bit of this, so let me... Sorry, that's the no-go zone. And I went the no-go zone, and uh, that was my bad. My bad. So two questions I think every Christian really has to theologically sort of process through it and really help ourselves process. Uh, one of those questions is what exactly is the Sabbath? And the second question is how does this Sabbath idea apply to Christians? And I just want to show you that it all applies to soul care. So the word Sabbath literally means, as I said, to stop. It means to cease and desist. It means the opposite of work. And what do we do on a Sabbath? I think at some basic level, there are two simple elements that make up what happens while we're Sabbathing. One is worship, and the other is resting. And this is why we associate the two things together. We, we think Sabbath, we think rest. And you would well know, by the time of Jesus, the Jewish leaders of that day had collected, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tiny rules about what you could and couldn't do on a Sabbath day. But the point was that the day was to be set aside. It was meant to be holy, different, other, not ordinary, not regular. And the idea is not just that we sleep more one in seven days. The idea is that we are setting aside time. Now think about this. I've described some of our spiritual habits in this series as, as, as not practices, or, or though we call them that, not just habits, but spiritual play. That we're setting aside time to relate to, in, in a very like kid-like sense, to play with God. Not to toy with God, that would be dangerous. 
but to enjoy God and allow God to enjoy us. This is telling us that I need a regular, a sort of rhythmic cycle of renewal. Listen to this verse. This is another sort of description of the Sabbath. Exodus 23, verse 12. It says, Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, so that the slave born in your household and the foreign living among you may be refreshed. That there is some connection between my stopping and my refreshing, and it extends not just to me, but all those in my sphere of influence. That those living among you may be refreshed. That's an interesting word, refreshed. I don't know, I, 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 which commercial was it? Like, in back of the end, that's refreshing, you know? That we may be refreshed. How does it feel to feel refreshed? I saw that. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe that's because we're not practicers of this. It, the, the verb for refresh is the verbal form of the same word we talked about a couple of weeks ago, nefesh, which is the Hebrew word for breath and soul. This is the verbal form of that. And it's saying so that you may catch your breath. Literally. You may catch your breath. You may be refreshed, recharged, be revitalized, rejuvenated. But it requires a sort of one in seven stopping. To stop every seven days and identify something that is refreshing to you. And practice that. What I'm saying is, and the one thing this message is about is this idea, that my soul needs a God-defined rhythm of rest and renewal, a God-defined rhythm of stopping, so that my soul can find refreshment. So that the breath of God can be breathed back into my soul, so that my breath can be caught First day I went for a hike the other day, and it involved, it involved some elevation gain and loss. Ever so often we would stop to take a drink and catch our breaths. That's what this is saying. Stopping to catch your breath. Now that's not what the leaders in Jesus' day had made it into. They made it into rules and regulations. They made it into obligation. They made it into, you know, dumb little things. Like, if, if you were to cut your fingernails, well, then that's out. If you were to... They just had a million of these things. The bottom line, when you read the Gospels, Jesus lived at a different pace. And you can debate, if you want with me, whether or not Jesus observed the Sabbath regularly. But you would note that it often says he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. He was doing the worship part of that. Why would we believe he was not doing the other part of that? And of course, he created controversy by doing different things on the Sabbath. But he practiced this stopping, not just one in seven days. 
Jesus would have an intense time of ministering to people, and he would withdraw. We saw that a few weeks ago. Regular rhythm of withdrawing. Slowing. Intentional slowing of the life. This goes a step further and says a rhythmic one in seven stopping for the soul's sake. Mark chapter 6 says the apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all they had done and taught when he had sent them out. And then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. And there's an invitation by God on the table. For me, as it says in the Psalms, to be still and know that he is God. This is God talking. Be still and know that I am God, that I will be exalted among the nations, that I will be exalted in the earth. I think often we forget that he is God because we forget to be still. So again, a couple of questions we have. What is the Sabbath? How does the Sabbath apply to Christians? I put these in your notes. Every Sabbath is an invitation. And because I had so many different pieces I was fitting into the outline today, I didn't make any of these blanks. But don't mistake that for not important. Every Sabbath is an invitation. Every Sabbath is an invitation to stop. Of course, their seventh day would be sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. We Christians worship on Sundays, and there's actually good reason for that. In the biblical times, they shifted worship from Saturday to Sunday, what they called the Lord's Day, commemorating the fact that the Lord rose from the dead on a Sunday. And there's good examples of that in the Bible, in the New Testament. But every Sabbath is a chance to stop. Every Sabbath is an invitation for something that is good for my soul. I, I wrote down just a bunch of implications here. Every Sabbath is an invitation to embrace a life that revolves around Jesus, not me. When I refuse to stop, I'm saying, I am the center. I can't stop. I don't have time to stop. I've got too much to... Absolutely. I have too much to do, don't you? I'll stop when I get it all done. <laughs> that done turns out to be the day they put you in a pine box and lay you in the ground. It's an invitation to embrace a life that revolves around Jesus, not me. Around Jesus, not my to-do list. Around Jesus, not my stuff. Around Jesus, not my get things done. Every invitation is... An every, every Sabbath, every stopping is an invitation to see that everything proceeds from my relationship with Jesus. This is soul care. Think about this. For God, the Sabbath day was day seven. Adam was born, if we want to use that language, he was created to be more specific on day so he spent half of that day with God or so, because we don't know what point in the day he, God was finished. Put the breath of life into Adam. The, the nefesh. 
Sometime day six that happened. Adam's first full 24-7 day was day... Adam's first full day was spent resting with God. It was God's day seven. It was Adam's day one if creation day was day zero. God has a remedy for our busyness, a remedy for all of our acquisition of experiences and acquisition of things which end up, we think will leave us full, but they end up leaving us empty. Every, every Sabbath invites us to step out of the world's way of being and into a different way of being, into God's way of being. Every Sabbath is an invitation to work from rest rather than work to rest. We work thinking, if I get it all done, then I'll be able to rest. But we never get it all done, and we never do rest. We never do stop. Every Sabbath is an invitation to work from refreshment, from rest. Meaning that God says, stop, whether it's done or not. You get refreshed, and when you go back to it, you're working from it. Again, Adam's day Seven, or Adam's day one, was God's day seven. Now, Adam is created and he plays with God for a day. He rests. And then he works. And frankly, then he sins if we really read the story. Again, note that the Hebrew day begins at sundown which is so foreign to our way of thinking that we can't wrap our minds around what that really implies. But for the Jewish person, even today, that implies that the day begins with family and food, which is refreshment, and drink, which is refreshment, and rest, which is refreshment. That in Jewish thought, the day proceeds from rest rather than from work. Some of you feel guilty when you rest. Anybody? This says that's not the way it's supposed to be. Every day is an invitation to receive grace. Did Adam do anything to deserve his relationship with God or do anything to deserve that, that first day of just hanging out with God and playing with God? No. Adam didn't do anything to get his relationship with God. It was grace from the beginning. And every Sabbath is an invitation to trust that I am not what I do. I am not what other people think about what I do. I mean, in my, in my line of work, right, preacher, pastor, whatever you want to title what I do, I am not defined by that. And I am not defined by what you think about how I do what I do. That's refreshing on days where I get stressed about what you think about what I do. Does that make sense? Now, you, that applies in your job with your boss. That doesn't mean you're my boss, by the way. <laughs> Every 
every Sabbath is an invitation to know that I am not what I do, that I am a child of God. That's what the soul care thing has been all about. I am a child of God. And God not only loves me, he likes me, and he wants to spend time with me. Now, what I'm about to say might sound offensive, so just please hear fast. If you've ever been exhausted by your children, you know what it is. You love your kids. I love my kids. But when they're at a certain age, stage of life, they wear you out. That starts when they're born, and I haven't found out yet when it, when it ceases. We have kids, and we, we enjoy our kids, and, but we get exhausted by our kids. And So you know what we do so that we can stop? We say, Grandma, Grandpa? <laughs> that allows us as parents to have a day to stop, right? right? Grandma or Grandpa either says, sure, or let me figure out that works in my calendar, or whatever, whatever it is. But when the grandkids come over to Grandma and Grandpa's house, it's like, it's like the best thing ever. Any grandmas and grandpas? It's like getting to play with your grandkids. You not only love them, you like them. I don't mean the parents don't like their kids, but let's be honest. Some days when you're exhausted, your kids wear you out, you're not sure. But to the grandparents, they're perfect. To the grandparents, they're like, spend day with the grandkids today. And the grandkids come over and they play and the grandparents play with them and it's... <clears throat> I had a, a, a spiritual leader suggest to me relatively recently that that's how God looks forward to a Sabbath day with you and I. Not the parents' point of view, the grandparents' point of view. Does that make sense? So we have to say, what, what is the Sabbath? It is stopping for refreshment. And I will dig into some implications and rule following, and the line's not rule following, and all of that in just a minute. But, but how does this apply to Christians? Did Jesus intend for Christians to keep observing the Sabbath? I mean, what about those of us that are non-Jewish? Because <clears throat> the gospel went from the Jewish folks to the non-Jewish folks, and it was a big, 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 trying to figure out how much of the Jewish stuff non-Jews need to keep. Read the book of Acts. It is full of a, a question about how much of this should we do or not do, continue or not continue. And so by the time Paul writes Colossians, he writes to the church in Colossae. He says, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with a regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So he's telling us that Sabbathing is the sense that the Old Testament foreshadowed the rest that comes in grace. That I am resting from my works to earn God because grace says I can't earn God. And grace says I don't deserve God, but he loves me anyway. And I am resting from those works in order to receive a salvation that requires no effort on my part. And that makes a pretty good argument for we don't still practice this. Now note, we don't make the same argument with the other nine in the Big Ten. 
Actually, I think a lot of people do make an argument not to practice the other big nine, but, but we shouldn't. Right? God still cares about life. God still cares about lies. God still cares about a whole lot of other things that morally still very much apply. So we Christians go, well, there are these kind of laws, and Jesus fulfilled those so we don't have to worry about them. And there are these kind of laws that are moral, and the moral ones we should still pay attention to. And that's kind of how we end up with an American work ethic that says, be a Christian, but work your tail off. To the point where you have no idea what it is to be refreshed. Mark chapter 2 tells the story of Jesus walking along with the disciples. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. And this was a no-no because the Jewish book of traditions had 24 chapters listing all of these Sabbath laws. You couldn't travel more than 3,000 feet from your house. You, of course, there were no cars. You were, how do you come up with 3,000 feet? Like, that's the barrier. You were not allowed to carry anything that weighed more than a dried fig. You couldn't carry a needle for fear you might sew something. Taking a bath was forbidden. Water might splash on the floor and wash the floor and you would be cleaning. Women were not to look in a mirror. They might pull a great... <laughs> you think I'm kidding. This is the kind of stuff that their rule book said you couldn't, couldn't do. And so the Sabbath became a bunch of laws that you just had to obey, and the refreshment and rest and stopping was out the door. And so his disciples picked some heads of grain, and the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God, which was a no-no, by the way. <laughs> and he ate, they ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to him, or to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then he actually adds, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Which is a claim to be God, by the way. <clears throat> to be the Lord of the Sabbath is the one who made the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, yeah, I was there, Genesis 1. This was deeply offensive to the Pharisees for a lot of reasons. But Jesus is pointing out that, man, the Sabbath was made for man to be helpful to him, not man made for the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was instituted by God for mankind's benefit and refreshment, not that the people were made just to keep burdensome regulations pertaining to it. And again, Christians shifted from seventh day to first day when Christians said in New Testament times, we're going to worship on the Lord's day, the day Jesus rose from the dead. You find that in Acts 20, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, Revelation 1, verse 10. Talk about the Lord's day, first day of the week. 
I said a couple of weeks ago that busyness is the enemy of spiritual growth. That Warren Wiersbe taught us that a restless heart leads to a reckless life. The scripture is telling me that I need a God-defined rhythm, which happens to be one in seven, of rest and renewal so that my soul can find refreshment. So I'm just going to challenge you today. Give it 30 days. When I began soul care at Easter, I said give us six weeks. I'm saying basically the same thing. Give me, give me 30 days. Give me six weeks. I realize six is one. Whichever you want to commit to, give me that period of time. Not me, the Lord. That period of time. And if you struggle with stopping, I have a couple of keys for you. Two keys for those like me who struggle with stopping. Number one is you have to make the commitment deep in your soul to make this happen. You have to commit to undercommit. This means learning to say no to some things. It means stopping, saying, I'll slow down when, if. It means taking God seriously at my own need for refreshment. Someone has said that when work becomes an idol, rest feels like sin. I think a lot of us see rest and stopping and refreshment just that way. I don't deserve it. Barbara Brown Taylor once wrote that if we're not accustomed to rest, rest can make us feel, feel ill, sick. She calls it Sabbath sickness. Our problem is that the urgent always trumps our need for refreshment. That no one else will prioritize my rest and refreshment, and I live by everybody else's priorities. Jesus is teaching us that, among other things, we sometimes need to learn to say no. No, I can't do that. No, I'm not available. I realize when my phone rings on a Friday or Saturday, which are my days off, that often there are crises happening. And sometimes I run right in the middle of those crises. And sometimes, frankly, I say, call me on Monday. Because not every crisis is as urgent as we think it is. Sometimes we have to learn to prioritize other things. Because if I always say no, if I always say yes to you on a Friday, yes to you on a Saturday, realize I am saying no to my family. I am saying no to my own to-do list. I am saying no to my home. I am saying no to my grass. <laughs> some days I need to say no to my grass. Right? For some of you, mowing the grass is refreshment. I don't want to turn this into the Talmud rules of all the Jewish leaders. If mowing your grass is refreshment, then go be refreshed. For me, mowing the grass is painful. I'm not kidding. I'm allergic to it. I walk away from it feeling like, eh. Like I immediately come inside after, after mowing and yard work, and I have to wash it all off of me so that I can breathe, so that I can catch my breath. But if for you it's refreshment, then go for it. 
For me, refreshment looks like, I said, Marsh and I went for a hike the other day. That's refreshing. But for you, hiking might, be, might not be refreshing. I, I had, you say, but didn't that work? Aren't you using energy? Aren't you walking more than 3,000 feet? I had a pastor friend remind me, again not too long ago, that I work primarily not with my body, but with here and here. And what needs refreshed by me one in seven days is my body probably needs work, not, not work work. He's like, I got grass, you can come mow my grass. <laughs> then I'll go be refreshed doing something else. But my body might need activity in order for my soul to catch up to me. That explains to me why hiking has always sort of spoke to me. Because I can get in God's creation, connect with God and play with Him, see something that's beautiful, it's good for my body, it's good for my brain, it's good for my soul. Does this make sense? So one other key to this is to structure it. Again, one in seven is a pretty good structure, if you will. I'm not saying it has to be all day Sunday or that it can't be Saturday. You may work Sundays. And, and I'm not saying make the rules so rigid. I'm just saying begin to structure this into your life. A day where you can do nothing if that's what your body or mind or heart or soul needs to do. You say, what would I actually do on a Sabbath day? What would I actually do? I wrote three things. Refocus my soul. That's worship. That's I'm taking my eyes off of me, letting it come back to Jesus. Everything in my life revolves around Jesus. Everything in my life proceeds from my relationship with Jesus. It's a reset of worship that makes sure I'm worshiping me and not my calendar, me and not my stuff. Me, I'm not worshiping me and my stuff. I'm not worshiping me and my experiences. I'm not worshiping me and my to-do list. I'm resetting my soul around Jesus and worshiping him. How many times, seriously, somebody online, how many times have you thought, I don't have time to go to church this weekend? <laughs> but if we think about refreshment, I don't have time not to go to church. Number two, I wrote in Renew My Body. Right? This might mean a nap. It might mean a hike. It might mean a hobby. It doesn't look like vacuuming. <laughs> but it might to you. Because some of you might like find refreshment in vacuuming. Go for it. In fact, there are plenty of us that would love to have you do some vacuuming for refreshment. <laughs> I wrote number three, recharge my spirit. To identify something specifically that is refreshing and practice it every one in seven days. Invite God into it and play with God. Whatever that refreshing thing is. You know, I find that, again, I'm not always great at practicing this. And yet I find that, you know, we tend to vacation in the summer. And I look forward to that summer vacation because by the time it comes, my, my soul is ready to crash. My body is ready to crash. 
So it's like, I'm doing fine. Oh, yeah, I'm totally good and fine. And everything's great all year except for that part where I'm ready to crash. Maybe that's because I'm not stopping to let my soul catch up along the way. Maybe that's because I'm thinking that I am what I do rather than I am a child of God. And again, remember, work is not just what we get paid to do. It's the things that really require a lot of energy from us. That's what we stop doing on Sabbath day. This is probably or maybe not worth mentioning, but it at least is important in my world. I don't know if you know this. Sa su Sunday can be a Sabbath for you. A stop day. It's sort of not for me. I do take Sunday naps. Because my body pretty much requires it. But I do work one day a week. So the rumor goes. That one day a week happens to be So I asked a friend, you know, how does this really look in your life? And he said, okay, we have just a couple of rules. One, we don't do anything on the Sabbath that we normally get paid to do. And two, we just ask, what do you feel like doing today? Or what do you want to do today? And more often than not, the answer is absolutely nothing. And that's okay. And it's not wrong. And we don't have to feel So, just for this last little outline, I wrote in my notes that the Sabbath gives me three weekly reminders. Three weekly reminders when I begin to practice this. The first reminder is that the Sabbath reminds me to admit my humanity. Admit my humanity that I am not God. And so, I'm willing to let go, to, to, to vacate, really, my job and my title, and, and I'm willing to vacate that trying to keep running the universe thing, because, you know, we all know, the universe is going to stop if we don't get the to-do list done, right? Like, we are the fuel, the living's making the universe keep spinning, and if we don't keep spinning it, it's going to stop, so we better keep it going, because, like, everybody's life is on the line. I just vacate all of that. <clears throat> we even spiritualize it. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Man, we got to put the pedal to the metal. Right? we got to go, go, go. Because Jesus needs us for his kingdom to be in go mode. And I mostly don't disagree with that. Six out of seven days. But what if not stopping one in seven puts us in the place where we go, I can't go at all. I can't go anymore. I'm going to crash. I'm burned out. I'm exhausted. I got nothing in the tank. You can't keep go, go, go on when you reach that moment. Cultures that know how to rest don't our cultures that that constantly worry about burnout? That's not us. 
The truth is, we feel guilty when we rest because rest doesn't feel like something spiritual. That's not what this says. So the Sabbath reminds me to admit my humanity that I'm not God, that God's got the world. The world will keep going without me. It's all okay. Number two. The Sabbath reminds me to accept my limits. To accept my limits. To know that I'm not infinite. Now, again, I, I told you, parents, grandparents, we did this thing a while ago. I want you to go back to the parents. Parents, when your kids are little and you haven't slept in days, don't you feel the need to be infinite? But practicing this stopping reminds me that because I'm not God, I'm not infinite. And I don't have to be. It teaches me to accept my limits. It's kind of an interesting question. Was Jesus limited or unlimited? If we really think rightly and theologically... Divinity, unlimited. Humanity, he accepted what came along with it. And you know how we do limits, right? God draws a boundary. We go, how close to that boundary can I get? You know, we want to teeter on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Like, how close can I get to this limit? Maybe I need to just back away and say, hey, God knows what he's talking about. After all, he made me. Admit my humanity, accept my limits, and number three, the Sabbath reminds me to adjust my expectations. Adjust my expectations. This is largely about others. I'm not in control. Remember all of that in the, in the, in the fourth commandment about your, your animals and those under your sphere of influence? Those who live among you. This isn't just about you. This is about other people and letting go of them as well. We tend to think we can do more than we really can. We put too many irons in the fire. We bite off more than we can chew. And then we expect others to do the same. And when they don't do what we expect them to do, then we get disappointed. Because if they don't do what we expect them to do, then we can't do what we expect to do. And so it perpetuates a bite off more than you can chew mentality. In the end, I'm either going to make time for the creator of time, or if I'm honest, I'm going to burn out. And that will force me to work on some things with bottom line is that I'm not infinite. I'm not in control. I'm not God. And I was never meant to be. And so I need as a spiritual habit to work on one in seven days. Notice I just said to work on practice, to, to say, I'm going to stop. So I'm asking you today, would you give it 30 days? Would you make the commitment? 
For 30 days, I'll stop everyone and say, in the sense we're talking about. I'm going to lay that before the Lord with us and end with our two prayers. We always end with two prayers. The first is a prayer of salvation. The second, a prayer of application. If you need Jesus today, if you need to realize that you can't do anything to earn Jesus, you, you, you haven't done anything to earn Jesus, that he did what he did for you because he loves you, because, because frankly, he is the creator of you when you work all the way up the chain, that he is the one who made life, and that you really should exist for him. If you need Jesus today because you've blown it over and over and over and you know you fall short, and you just know that you don't deserve it, but you need forgiveness. This is the stuff of why Jesus came. It's why he died. That's why he's frankly alive today, because we need a God that's not us. And if you need Jesus today, you can receive him right now and pray with me just like this. Dear Jesus, I confess and I agree that I do so many wrong things. And I fall short in so many ways. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins. I put my faith in you. And I believe that you died for me, for my sins. I believe you rose on the third day. And I believe that you're alive. Since you're alive, take over my life and be my God. Help me to accept my humanity as a gift from you. And help me to accept being your child as a gift from you. Help me to rest. you and you pray to receive Jesus today, we celebrate that. We'd love to know it. You can tell me on a communication card. You can tell me in person. Right? You can find me right after service. You can email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N at HarvestChurchEugene.com. Tell somebody. If you're not going to tell me, tell somebody you came with. It's a big deal. We want to celebrate. And we pray two prayers. Because honestly, a lot of us have prayed that prayer but this is one we wrestle with. We see this stopping thing, like, it gets under our skin. And if you want to make the 30-day commitment today, then pray with me like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for the reminder that I need to stop weekly. That if I don't, I will be Thank you that I don't have to pretend to be God, that you've got it, that you can handle it. And thank you that I am not what I do, that I am your child, and that you look forward to spending time with me. Jesus, I commit to stop, to rest, 
refreshed. Every one in seven days for the next month. And I pray that you'll show me how I can change my life. This is really one of those, like, you don't believe me, but I'm doing it. This is what's better for you. You'll thank me one day. The challenge for me, I guess, is for you to just do it. Wouldn't you say? Here's what he's saying. You have permission. You have permission. You have encouragement. So as you go today, I want you to go and knowing that while your to-do list may never be finished, the to-do list that really matters, you know, the one that Jesus was fulfilling when he hung on the cross, he meant it when he said it's finished. Go on his grave. Remember back in the back, we take our communication cards, our baskets back there. If you're giving today, if this has touched you in some way, there's a way to give online. Uh, it's in the links there on YouTube and Facebook. There's a box here in the room. You can drop your offerings there as well. You guys are so loved. So glad you're worshiping Jesus. Go and be refreshed.